Hello and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast, hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. Join us as we interview experts who share their knowledge and experience to provide actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and position yourself as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelley and Toby live every Wednesday on YouTube or Facebook. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing well. And here we are with Messages and Methods. I'm the host, Shelley Carney. And I'm the co-host, Toby Yunus. We have a special guest today. His name is Richard Blank. He's the CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a blurb that he sent us. Costa Rica's Call Center is a uh, state-of-the-art BPO telemarketing outsourcing company located in the capital city of San Jose, Costa Rica. I've been there many times and actually had plans to move there. And we may get a chance to talk about with Richard about whether it's a good idea or not. So, um, Shelly, did you have any other announcements you wanted to make? I just for the uh, just let you know to look in the crawl for all of our uh, links and information. Uh, you can call or text us at that number, 505-750-2744. You can reach out by email at support at messagesandmethods.com. You can get our new Livecast Live book at book.livecast.life. You also can get our free guide for Livecast Life. That's a workbook at guide.livecast.life. And uh, you too can register to be a guest on our show at journey.agkmedia.studio. And there's a typo in that word, so we'll have to fix that. <laughs> if you want to set up your own live stream studio, check out our studio equipment at studio.agkmedia.studio. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at news.agkmedia.studio and get your free Showflow template at showflow.agkmedia.studio. All of these uh, links will be in the description box and show notes, so please look there for those. And I'm ready to get right into it. I, uh, you have one more thing, your new survey. Oh, quiz.agkmedia.studio is our quick content quiz that we would love for you to fill out. Uh, and again, that's scrolling across the bottom or check the description box for those. All right. Now we're ready. Let's bring Richard on to join our conversation. Hey, Richard, good to have you here. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Toby. So happy to be a guest on your Messages and Methods show tonight. We're, we're glad that this could finally happen. We had some problems with uh, scheduling applications, but we're glad we finally got coordinated enough uh, to make sure we had you on the show. We're looking forward to the conversation. Me too. Ellie? All right. Richard, why don't you start us off by telling us about yourself and your business? Thank you so much, Shelley. I am the CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. I'm originally from Northeast Philadelphia, so it's been a long journey of some twists and turns, but I moved to Costa Rica when I was 27 years old in August of 2000. A very good friend of mine asked if I could come down for just a couple months and teach English at his call center, and I stayed. So I worked with my friend for four years, and I learned the business from the inside and out, not as a C-level executive, but as one of the many Costa Rican ticos that were making and receiving calls. And 
Shelly and Toby, I figured out ways in which to enhance the experience, not only for the client, but especially for the agent. When those that work in a call center industry, they do deserve their empathy and dignity. And I just wanted to make sure that they're not expendable and treated like robots and numbers. And so I've created a certain culture and a company environment where my attrition is low and my production is very high. Well, it sounds like you've done an amazing job to uh, motivate your people as a result of the effort that you've invested in improving them, their skills, the environment, and what they do as a profession. And I know uh, a little bit about it because I spent several years in a call center way okay. back in the 70s when we were still, it was still a telephone call center and we were selling magazines. Were you and using rotary phones? No, it, I'm only kidding. <laughs> it was damn near that. Uh, but I really enjoyed the work and uh, it made good money at the time. I was sure. still in the military, but I was living in Washington, D.C., which, as you probably know, is a very expensive area to live in. And sure. so I had to sap supplement my income in some way. And I found this opportunity and I spent almost three years there. Uh, before exiting the service and going to work for the National Security Agency. So I know the experience. I know it's a long time ago and probably a whole different world in terms of uh, telemarketing. But uh, we're glad to hear uh, that you're working towards making some improvements for, from both the caller's perspective and the recipient's perspective. So let's talk about, uh, we've all had to deal with uh, the issue of the pandemic over the past several years. Uh, and so we'd like to know from people like you, what what did you learn about marketing, especially digital marketing in the last two years? Well, once again, that's an excellent question. Once COVID hit, legally, we weren't allowed to have a certain amount of agents here. So a lot of people were working from home. So I guess it went from brick and mortar to virtual. And so to try to keep people's attention and try to make them inclusive, and feel like that they belong, maybe my message had to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. So instead of making something that's just so cookie cutter and boilerplate, what I like to do, not only for my agents, but for prospective clients, is just to take a couple extra minutes, do some due diligence on a LinkedIn or a company website profile. So I could custom make a message, a delivery, or just to show that I took a little bit of extra effort to researched this company before contacted them. And so besides the digital marketing that I do, there's a lot of digital information out there that I could use to my advantage. So I can really almost custom make my messages and deliveries for that much more of an impact. Mm -hmm. So do you, are you responsible for all the uh, sales responsibility in your organization as well as being the CEO? That's a very, very good question. I am pretty much in charge of closing the deals. I do have a lot of people out there that refer my business and speak for me. Uh -huh. But when it comes to the contracts and people moving forward to work with me, because only about 10% of my clients fly down here. Most of them, it's just sight unseen. So they want to speak to the jefe. They want me to answer their questions. They want me to reassure them that by working with a near shore call center just a couple hours away on a flight, that they're company and their work is in good hands. Uh -huh. Now, a lot of people have not worked with a call center before. Toby, you're familiar with it. And Shelly, I don't know if you ever did the grind in the call center, but it's definitely for uh, not the faint of heart. But uh, what we do here is we are able to assist companies to scale. I can compare apples when someone puts me on a level playing field. Uh 
The agents here, Toby, they're, they're bilingual. So mm -hmm. to me, it bears the mark of higher education. So just besides them getting a return on investment of their education, they find English stimulating. So it's not really a transitional job as you see it in the States. And so even though they're doing heavy levels of concentration in shorter periods of time because it is a second language, once again, their fulfillment in their job and the passion that they put into it is pretty incredible. And so I've been able to see people grow within this industry because not only of their English levels, but the fact that they are learning, once again, the North American market, certain genres we have, getting very attuned to the North American ear. So it makes them exceptionally marketable and valuable. So as I said before, we have an extremely, extremely competent workforce here in Costa Rica. Before I turn it back over to Shelley, I have a question of curiosity. You mentioned that you went down there in 2000 to help uh, a friend of yours, uh, but you stayed. Why Costa Rica instead of all the opportunities to create call centers literally any place in the world, including the United States? Well, if it wasn't for my friend, I would be anywhere. But I will share this with both of you, Shelley and Toby, that if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can pretty much live anywhere in the world. So when I graduated high school, unlike most of my friends that were going to Ivy League and were studying medicine, law, engineering, and architecture, I doubled down on languages. My favorite class was Spanish. So I went to the University of Arizona, and I was a Spanish communication major. So I just didn't really fall into this. I interned for Telemundo and worked for an importer of Corona. So I was always using my Spanish sales and public relations. And so that one in a million opportunity crossed my path when I was 27. And once again, there were certain opinions that were given to me and there were certain expectations in regards to my career. But guys, if you think about it, my great grandparents came over from Europe, learned a second language and were entrepreneurs. Right. So my best argument to my parents was, hey, if great grandpa did it, why can't I do it? And so I guess I really put them to bed on that one. But um, I was on a mission. I was being true to myself. And I know that when you have these sort of cosquillas, when you have these chills, and you know that the stars could sometimes be aligned for you, you know you're doing the right thing. And so by having this opportunity, it's only supposed to be just for two months. But when I was here and I was in Central America, and Toby, you mentioned how much you love Costa Rica. I thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever walked into a call center. So the three of us have seen the movies, Boiler Room and the Wolf of Wall Street and Glengarry. And sure, there's a lot of places that are like that, but not every vertical sells stock. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a very strict Catholic country. So a lot of these agents would refuse those sort of accounts. Right. And so when I was here, once again, I got to see the art of speech. Even though the technology changed, Toby, since the 70s, still the empathy, the act of listening, the rebuttals and being proficient in your craft, that has not changed. Uh, except today, most people are looking for omni-channel non-voice support. They prefer to do things in chat mm -hmm. and in emails. But the three of us know that if you're not on the phone with someone, you are eliminating an upsell, a retention, a possible referral, and worst case scenario, an exit interview mm -hmm. to find out areas in which we could have approved or how our competition is doing it to earn their business. So I'll make a very, very strong argument to still have voice work instead of non-voice work here at the call centers. Nice. Shelly, over to you. Uh, just to answer your question, yes, I did work in a call center for Southwest Airlines reservations in the late 80s, actually. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Did you get a lot of positive escalations? Did you do well on your QA reports? <laughs> I didn't care for the job. <laughs> All right. uh, I, I, one of the things I didn't care for was being strapped to a headset and I, now here I am again. <laughs> so it, I, it did give me a lot of, uh, uh, learning, uh, experience that, I, that came into play later. So, so I have a question for you. You, you were there, both of you were mm -hmm. there and you saw the ups and the downs and the good and the bad time. And for me to try to give you a CEO cracked code, it's really as simple as empathy. Once again, if you treat somebody well and you prepare them and give them the proper resources and onboard them in a certain way, the chances are they're going to work very well with you. And so I just didn't really want to cut corners and wanted to ensure since English is their second language that we're constantly focusing on the thesaurus to expand their vocabulary with incredible similes to be able to be more diplomatic, strategic and avoid any sort of rabbit holes and to control the conflict management. Well, my experience, I, I've got to tell you that the organization I jo joined at the time was an old line organization. They had been around for a really long time. Uh, and their onboarding process included a lot of solid training as well as classes in what you now call, I didn't see it that way then, as empathy building, understanding to whom you are selling and how to deal with each respective situation because you're trained to work from a script. But the script only gets you so far and you have to be ready for almost anything that could change. I, I tell a story about the one time I called someone and made my offer and, and uh, to John Smith and the response was, John Smith? John Smith, he died three weeks ago, you know, and the idea is, where do you go from there? Because that's not in the script. <laughs> you ask a follow up question. Exactly. You exactly. ask how amazing John was and what right. he did to be that's special. Right. And that's exactly the training that we were given to, to a, a follow on question, but make mm -hmm. it a question of empathy. Because one of the val valuable lessons that I learned during that period was, if you keep asking questions in an empathetic way, people will answer those questions. So Shelley and I are writing a, a book right now on interview, uh, the art of the interview, and we're incorporating a lot of that good advice. So, um, so how has digital marketing for entrepreneurs, the people that you do business with, how will that change in the next 12 months? as opposed to how it's changed in the past two years? Well, me personally, I've been doing a lot more podcasts than I have before. I'm kind of on this podcast kick. <laughs> Usually it was just writing articles and putting out photographs and contributing on other sites in certain ways that were call center and telemarketing related. And so right now I just want to maybe destroy any sort of misconceptions people have about what a CEO is, what a telemarketer is, and what an owner of a call center does. Mm -hmm. And so, as I say before, walking rows and breaking bread with people. And I don't know about both of you, but here at the call center, I have a gamification culture. So I collect classic pinball machines and arcade machines so I can create a neutral environment for people to meet others from other departments, let off steam and recharge batteries and spend time with me. Very smart. I, I love this digital marketing now because not only am I so thankful to be here with you two this evening, but it allows me to share my ideas prior to a phone call to me. 
So it could save me time. I, I don't have to spend an hour discussing certain things when they've already listened to it. Or it could once again eliminate things they're not interested in, only focusing on one section, which could save us some time. But also they get to see my smile and they get to see my passion towards what I do. So by making this call, they're speaking with a genuine boss. So we're almost starting on third base and with some serious momentum. So this digital marketing today has greatly assisted me in closing a lot of deals. We're seeing that from a lot of the folks uh, that we have conversations with. Mm -hmm. um, Shelly, back to you. So Richard, how, what is what do you see as the biggest obstacle for the people that uh, come to you and how do you solve that for them? That's a wonderful question. I, I believe that since I'm here in Costa Rica, I do follow all the Costa Rican labor laws. So a lot of my clients will have specific expectations that we're just not able to do either legally or ethically. And so I have to make sure that I'm very crystal clear, very candid about our capabilities here and what their expectations are. And in addition to that, a lot of the times the people will tell me what they're doing in their office and not saying that I am superior or inferior, but I'm an expert in my field. So what I like to do is to ask specific questions, at least 10, and they will give me their answers and I will listen carefully. Add two more additional things there to establish my credibility that I know what I'm talking about. And one by one, walk backwards just to see if, A, I can fulfill their needs. And I'll give you a simple example, metrics. If some guy's telling me that I need to do 10 calls an hour, but the average talk time is seven minutes, okay, that's 70 minutes, but then you're not even putting in the CRM, the wrap-up time or any sort of coaching in between okay. that. So as much as you can tell me someone in your office is doing that, I have to ask you to re-explain it to me because my infrastructure here does not say so. So as much as you want to reverse psychology me, we have to also be extremely realistic. And, and it's okay because a lot of the times the scripts that they'll send to me is not complete or I don't believe that the tone would be appropriate and then sometimes the rebuttals as well could be a little too aggressive for the profile of agent that we're looking for. So I make certain suggestions to see if it's a good fit. And if it is, then it's very able for me to start working with people. So once again, from an educated point of view, Shelly, I'm, I'm really just trying to make the best decision for all of us. So we'd be able to, once again, have a very successful project. So I've got a question that's going to lead into that, but let me ask a follow on to the one that you just responded to, which you just sure. responded. And that is the impression I get is that you hire agents after you have an agreement with a prospective client. Is that correct? 100%. Yes. I mean, imagine if I were hiring 50 people for prospective people, imagine the amount of time that it would take for the interviews, calling their references and background checks. So, I have to give priority to my existing clients. Mm -hmm. And as much as I want to show good faith and earn business, I also don't work for free. You're not going to cut me a check when I bring you 10 people. That could be two weeks worth of serious work right. and I'm trying to do other things. So you'd have to show me some good faith as well that you're going to work with me. And as long as I once again can show these sort of uh, values in our first phone calls. You know what I also like to do? I like to introduce them to my floor supervisor and my chief technical officer, allow them to pick their brain. We, we send out a pre-launch checklist. And, and if I really need to, this is what I'll do. 
I'll send you a dozen recordings, a dozen people. That's not a problem because I can have them interviewing for multiple accounts, but at least you get to hear the English levels, reading your script out of the 10 people, how many would you choose? And that at least will not ruin my momentum, hold me back from anything. And it's really nothing for an agent to make a recording for a minute or two. They like that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. So yeah. I can actually invest a little bit of time in my resources to earn that business. So let's take that the next step. What should a prospective client already have in place in order to ensure you can help them with whatever their plan is? An open mind. I just, if they have something that's already plug and play, that's fantastic. At least just make sure I'm on a level playing field. But if they're starting from scratch, never even wrote a script before, as long as they're willing to do a Lennon McCartney with me, we can spend some time writing and creating together and practicing. If they're willing to invest in a process, then they will get the sort of returns that they're looking for. It's once again, they've never worked with a center before, maybe spoken to someone like myself that writes for a living, that does training and onboarding and quality control. Mm -hmm. And so once the dust settles and they realize the sort of tools that I have in my tool chest, uh, it makes perfect sense for them to move forward with me. But, you know, Toby, one of the challenges I have, it's really price over merit. And so sometimes people will call me and before even introducing themselves, they're like, what's your price? And I go, a thousand dollars an hour. They go, no, it's not. I go, of course it's not. Why don't we answer that at the end? Ask me some other questions just to see if I can rank higher than other your centers. Because if you're just looking for price, I can send you to some offshore centers in India and the Philippines that can do it for less than half. But if you're looking for somebody that is accountable for their agents, that will give you no surprises, and that will work with you to ensure that you're successful. I will be able to prove to you that I'm worth that extra dollar or two. I, I think that's a uh, big challenge. Uh, we have, of course, much smaller clients uh, than you do, but we have a rule that we don't talk about price until we've had a one hour conference call Good. where we can understand what their expectations are before we even uh, suggest uh, a price for them. So that's a good question. Shelly, back to you. Do you have a story or an example of something that you learned from working with a recent client? Well, I have actually. I always believe that someone's character is shown, Shelly, during chaos. And when COVID hit, as I mentioned before, some people quit. They were nervous about working and people had to move off site, which once again, you are putting in risk internet redundancy, electricity, and immediate IT support. And so that's what some of the challenges we are with people working from home. And so, as I mentioned, as long as I am forthright with my clients and not just tell them that there's a problem, but make multiple suggestions and give them every sort of resource that we have, I've been able to solidify much more stable and secure relationships with my clients because they see I'm a straight shooter. And I call the balls and the strikes. And I am very real time. I'm never late. Because when somebody is waiting for a phone call, an email, or a response, that causes stress and miscommunication. And I believe, as I mentioned before, that, you know, clean the spill, pay for the bill, and let's get out of the bar. You know, I, I'm the kind of guy that will solve issues and make suggestions and make things much easier for you. And so as much as I want things to be running smooth, and perfect, which they are most of the time. 
best relationships I have with my clients is when we were able to work through a challenge together. Nice. So I'm going to share a screen with you that you'll, I'm sure, recognize. Uh, it's your website. And the reason I bring it up is because I want to know from you, um, how does a website affect your marketing success? Once again, I am just trying to share as much information as possible. We have multiple sections on this website. And I think what most people like the most is that I have my own CEO page where I have my bio there in a photograph. It's a older photograph of me when I was 35 years old with some hair. Oh, always, always. Yeah, the younger, the better is my. Oof. But it was the time, my friends, right before this company hit. I launched my website in, in October of 2007 and landed my first account in February of 2008. And so the photograph of myself is there right before I landed my first account. So I'm very proud of myself. It's almost the seed, but before it grew. But I didn't want to give away all of my special sauce, but I had to make sure that I broke down every single service that I could offer them, the IT infrastructure that we have, which people would be interested in, photographs of the center. And so I believe that more information is better so people aren't guessing or you're just trying to hook them in to call you in order to answer that one or two question. And so not only will it save time, but it increases my momentum when people learn more about what I can offer and the skill sets that we have. So my website has been extremely, extremely helpful for me. Shelly? Uh, well, I'm going to jump ahead to uh, this question. What is your most important takeaway tactic or advice for small business owners? And where can our viewers and listeners find you on the internet? <laughs> well, I think the number one rule for a business owner is, and I'm going to say it before, is to have empathy. And if you don't delegate and look to promote from within, then people will see that there's no real long-term options there. I'll bring specialists in for the IT department, but my CTO and my floor manager have been with me over a decade. And so these individuals have completely earned their stripes and they are part of this culture here, which I think is fantastic. And I also believe a second thing for a business owner is to save your money. I was very old school. My grandmother told me that if I can't pay for it in cash, you don't do it. And as much as I want to give you this amazing story of, of, of quick movement, I was more of a tortoise, not the hare. I first started renting a turnkey station at a blended center. And once I got up to about four dozen agents after, let's say, a couple of years, I saved enough money to rent a place where I built out 150 seats and did the whole server room. Was there for six years, saved enough money to build this building that I'm in now that can house 300 seats, no loans, no partners. My wife and I started this from scratch and we took a couple dips. There were a couple of times when, you know, we lost a large account, which I don't suggest putting all your eggs in one basket, but what did it do for me? I had enough acorns to last the winter. I could weather that storm. If I lost an account, my lights could still be paid and I wasn't walking the floors pissed off. And I realized that slow and steady, is the way to go and it's not flashy and i take care of myself i'm in a nice suit i got my ricola behind me the jukeboxes i i have all the toys 
But that's not the important thing. The important thing is the job stability for the agents because Shelly, it's a multi-generational families here. These young men and women pay the bills, might even take care of the medicine for their family. And so I feed 150 families a month and it's imperative for me that not only do they have their job stability, but when they're here, that they can recharge their batteries. So when they leave the office, they're able to conquer any sort of challenges that they have. And then they come back again. And so that sort of delicacy is so important for me as a CEO. I'm not the kind of guy that defaces people on the floor and makes you cry. I'm the first person to put wind in your sails. And so you don't have to be this tough CEO that you see in the movies. Who does that? What you need to do is be very humble and be very grateful and realizes that success is built on 1 million thank yous. And there is no way that I would be here today if it weren't for the support of my family, my friends, and these amazing people that are continuing to make my company very strong. And so anyone that wants to get in touch with me, my suggestion is do what Toby did and grab a plane ticket and fly down and come visit me. <laughs> that's number one. But may do can, that give me a call. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, all the contact information is on his website. We will post that uh, link in the description box below. So if you want to reach out to Richard, you can use that link. And there's a button there called the CEO hotline. So I'm cool. sure you'll get direct, directly connected to Richard. But most importantly, once this, since it's live, I'm going to be putting you on my Facebook fan page. I got 98,000 local Costa Rican Ticos that are there. We're the number one site in the country. It will also give you a really good pulse on the business process outsourcing industry in Costa Rica. We're near shore. I'm a couple hours on a direct flight. We're the only democratic society in Central America. There's no standing army. That money got put back into education. So Shelly, there's a 95% literacy rate. We have the best infrastructure, the most neutral accent, and companies such as HP, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon are here. So we pack a punch, and Toby knows this firsthand. Ecotourism. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful here with the rainforest, the waterfalls, the beaches, the zip lining, the monkeys and the iguanas. It's the bicycle it's really trails. never-ending paradise. Yeah. Yeah. It was my dream. And one of these days I'll tell you the story of how it didn't get to be, but I still <laughs> I still love to go visit. It's a beautiful country. Uh, everything that you've said about it is uh, true. And if I ever got the opportunity, if I ever decide to leave America, right? I think Costa Rica or Europe would be uh, uh, one of the two places I would go. Our guest today has been Richard Blank, CEO of Costa Rica's call center. And as you can see, not only is he very articulate, but he's very knowledgeable in his field and has been around for a significant amount of time. We look forward to future conversations with Richard. Last word, Shelley. Uh, just thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, it was our pleasure, Richard. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Live 2.0, hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question, and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices, too. Check the show notes for links and resources, and please come back again next week.